Hello and welcome to the Build-A-Bard Workshop. My name is Stephen. And my name is Simon. We're not experts, but we're here to take you through building a character in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We have a list of rules that we work from when building a character which are as follows. We each build a level 5 character using a random race, class and subclass and see what we come up with. The goal is not necessarily to build the most efficient character, but to build an interesting one. We use standard array, standard racial bonuses, and characters start with 100 gold and an uncommon or rare magic item. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. You've got your things out your pocket. I've got my can of generic cola drink open. <laughs> I think we're ready to start. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everybody. We have returned from another episode of the Build a Bard Workshop. And today we are covering the Dark Elf Phantom Rogue. Mm. How did you find this build, Simon? I think I've got something. Initially I was like, "Mm, it's just a rogue. I didn't really think there was anything interesting that I could do with it, but then I started playing about with a bit. I started reading a bit more about the Mm -hmm. Phantom, and I think I've got something. Okay, cool. I did a naughty. Okay. I went and looked at your build. Oh, no. Which I don't usually do. Right. Not asking you to justify yourself. What was it that sort of pushed you to do that? Because I had two full days, Monday and Tuesday, and I did a sleep as well. And okay. I don't necessarily think I was operating on the correct plane of existence. And I apologise for breaking what is ostensibly a gentleman's agreement. Fair enough. But I'm glad I did, because we had the exact same build. Oh, did we? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you've changed something since, congrats, you're well done. I don't think I have, no. <laughs> So you looked at mine and then did something different, or you still have something largely the same? I did something different, and I decided that what seems to happen is that you seem to excel when you're talking about flavour, and I seem to excel when I'm talking about some bullshit I found. Yeah, this is definitely a flair character for me. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to find some bullshit, and we'll talk about that. (laughs) Mine's the, uh, yeah, we'll do rollies. Do you mind if I roll first? Yeah, go for it. Do it left-handed. Nope, that's just gone off the thing. We've got a five. That's promising. You've got six. <laughs> All right. Um, you go first. Right? No, I think you go first. <laughs> Unless, do you want to do yours as like a response to the way I've done mine or? How about a blast through mine? Okay. All right, okay. I don't always do this, but this is the name the random name generator picked for me. Sometimes I pick up my own one, sometimes I don't. Uh, Hermea Meliamne. Okay. And what's interesting about that is it uses Amne as the last two syllables of its last name. And my warlock is Kerim Amne. And I think Amne is sword or something like that in uh, Elvish. You can find a Forgotten Realms Elvish translator somewhere. They are a phantom rogue. Mm-hmm. And I've chosen the charlatan background. Ooh. And they're kind of like Grelm Grab Candle. <laughs> they're a dick. Fair enough. I mean, that can be fun to build and it can be fun to play. Yeah, I tend not to prefer those characters. You know, Dungeons & Dragons is a game of heroes. But sometimes it's nice to just play a bunch of murderous wankers, especially for one-shots. Yeah, even if you don't normally play that kind of character, I think if you made, like, a one-shot where everybody's just a complete shit. (laughs) Exactly. And I liked the idea of, like, my original inspiration was, I'll be a drow who is leaning into the working on behalf of Lolth, this kind of thing. And then eventually I went, well, no, I don't want to perpetuate that stereotype that we now have. Mm. And then I thought, what if they just hated everybody? What if they were just a knob? (laughs) So personality traits, flattery is my preferred trick for getting what I want. 
I'm a born gambler who can't resist taking a risk for a potential payoff. Uh, the ideals. Independence. I am a free spirit. No one tells me what to do. So it doesn't matter whether it's Lolth, Coralun, Elminster, Volo, whoever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Screw the lot of them. I'm doing what I want. Fair enough. A powerful person killed someone I love. Someday soon, I'll have my revenge. Ooh. Flaws. I can't resist swindling people who are more powerful than me. Mm. So, to tie these things in, a powerful person killed someone I love. Someday soon I'll have my revenge. That is the phantom that's with me. The phantom is the person that was killed. Yeah. So their spirit is bonded to me. Because you can flavour this however you want. And I think the phantom rogue is that person who straddles the line between life and death. Yeah. And I wanted it to be like, this person is definitely alive. Their loved one is definitely dead. And they now no longer care about who's in charge or what have you. They're literally there to take names, kick ass. Yeah. My standard array, it was a 15 index. I put my 14 in constitution, my 13 in charisma, my 12 in intelligence, my 10 in strength, and my 8 in wisdom. My 8 is in wisdom, just to point out, because originally I like the kind of stereotype that you should give warlocks low whiz. And originally this was going to have maybe warlock or something like that. Um, so I decided I'll keep it anyway. And I also like the idea that, you know, this person's dead loved one turns up in their brain and goes, we should definitely kill some people. Yeah. And that's not a wise decision to make. Um, you know, they're easily led mm. in some respects. Yeah. But also have a powerful force of will in others. Racial bonuses are standard, which is a plus two to dex, which gives you a 17. And a plus one to charisma, which gives me a total of 14. I did take a feat. I took Elven Accuracy. Ooh. Elven Accuracy, I'm going to read it from my features and traits, if you don't mind, because yeah. it's, it's a lot to remember all at once. You don't often get an opportunity to use the feats that are purely for that race. Mm -hmm. It can also be used with Half-Elves. Okay. Uh, Elven Accuracy and Eladrin, which are now a separate yeah, race, yeah, according yeah. to the, it still applies to Eladrin. Increase your Dex, Int, Wiz, or Charisma score by one. Whenever you have advantage on an attack roll using one of these most modifiers, you can re-roll one of the dice once. Oh, wow. So you get super advantage. Mm -hmm. This is a key theme in Hermes' bullshit. Mm -hmm. My Acrobatics is a plus seven. My Deception's a plus five. Intimidation's a plus five. Investigation's a plus four. Uh, my Perception is plus two. Um, I did decide to take proficiency in that. Because of sunlight sensitivity, be aware you might have disadvantage on that. Yeah. My persuasion is plus eight because I chose to go for expertise in that. And my sleight of hand is plus seven. And my stealth is plus ten because mm. I chose uh, expertise for that. Okay. Mm. I have gone four rogue, one fighter. Okay. And originally I went, ooh, with my fighter... I can add the thrown weapon fighting and I was going to do like a cool dagger build where this guy's like dagger, dagger, dagger. dagger, 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 right? And explain how to use it and have the conversation of maybe you want to talk to your DM about their understanding that you can throw a dagger as a bonus action because I actually went online and looked it up to make sure you definitely could. It is rules as written viable but I can see someone deciding, eh, no. It might be something we might want to touch on in the second half because, mm. again, not now in the second half. I feel like I might need a little bit more clarification on the free action object interaction and how that interacts with drawing and oh, weapons and stuff because yeah. that, it's, that's yeah. a conversation. It's a conversation. In my inventory, I took 
a heavy crossbow plus one. Obviously, that's the magic item. Yes, that's my magic item. I gave myself studded leather armour. I've got my two daggers, got my short bow. And because I have one level of fighter, I am proficient with the heavy crossbow. Okay. For my fighter dip, I also took the archery fighting style. Can I just ask why you chose the heavy crossbow rather than a longbow, or are you getting around to that? It's simply because a d10 is larger than a d8. Okay. Also, rogues don't get extra attack. So I don't need, quote-unquote, to take crossbow expert to ignore the loading property for this build or anything like that. So my to-hit DC with my crossbow is plus 10. Wow. So you're not going to flip and miss. No, no, no. And I've made sure I'm never going to miss. There is an additional bonus action that is a an additional feature. What, what's it called? Tasha's bullshit. It's, it's, it's a Tasha's bullshit, yeah? Optional class feature, that's the way it's worded. As a bonus action, you give yourself advantage on your next attack roll on the current turn. You can use this bonus action only if you haven't moved during this turn, and after you use the bonus action, your speed is zero until the end of the current turn. Okay. So the aim... No pun intended. I'm ashamed that came out of my mouth. (laughs) The aim of this is that on the first turn, you bonus action hide, which will give you advantage. So you're behind cover. You find somewhere to be behind cover. Then you steady aim for every single shot that you make, which means that you have super advantage on every shot you make with a plus 10 to hit. Wow. I'm never missing. I am getting my sneak attack every turn. That's the sort of thing, though, when you get an ASI later on, you could take what's the feat where you can give yourself a minus five, but a plus ten. Sharpshooter. Yeah, you could take sharpshooter later and it really wouldn't have that much of an impact (laughs) on your chance of hitting. No, it wouldn't. So it's a plus ten to hit. Interestingly, archery fighting style gives you a plus two to attack rolls. Mm. I have a plus four for my decks and it's a plus one. So that's one D10 plus five. That's between six and 15 damage flat without the sneak attack. Yeah. I'm level four rogue. So I've only got two D6s. So that's between two and 12 extra damage on top of that. Wow. So your minimum is eight. Your maximum is 27 at level five. That's quite good. <laughs> I don't usually like to lead with the mechanical bullshit thing. I just thought this one was quite good. Yeah, that's a lot of things coming together quite nicely, yeah. isn't it? You've also got your two daggers if you want to bugger about with that. It's an option. Yeah. I wouldn't. I really like the idea of... This is also, sorry, to combat the sunlight sensitivity. You hide where it's murky. You shoot from where it's murky so that you don't have disadvantage on... I can never remember what it's actually called. Mm. It's in features and traits. That's something that would be worth Disadvantage on attack rolls and on perception checks that rely on sight when you or your target or whatever you're trying to perceive is in direct sunlight. Ah, so if you're hiding in darkness and they're in sunlight... sunlight, It doesn't help. But But it does tend to into a straight roll rather than an advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully you've still got plus 10 to hit. Something that occurred to us during editing is you could use the Clockwork Amulet from Xanathar's Guide to Everything to give yourself a dirty 20 once a day if you wanted to. It's only once a day, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you are in a situation where you have disadvantage, you've got plus 10 to hit. And then if you're in a situation where it's a straight roll or you've got advantage. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So the aim is never miss, always kill.
Yeah. We'll talk about the whales from the grave feature later on. It allows you to roll half your sneak attack dice rounded down Mm. to another creature within 30 feet of the first creature that you hit. Okay. You get proficiency bonus uses of this a day. So it's sort of like a green flame blade kind yeah, of yeah, thing, yeah, but yeah, ranged? Yeah, yeah it's play. kind of like, here, we gave you green flame blade on your bow for free, or on whatever you want to use it on. When I was considering other options for this that would have given me cantrips like booming blade, etc., I was considering booming blade or green flame blade. Oh, shit. If you could green flame blade, and that could hop to the next creature, and you could use your necrotic damage sneak attack. Mm. So if you really wanted to build upon that, that would be really worth it. I wish I'd thought of that before because I could have just done Green Flame Blade. You do get some spells for free as a Dark Elf. Dancing Lights, Cantrip, Fairy Fire and Darkness. F- fairy Fire is really useful if you've run out of ways to get advantage. Yeah, plus it's an area of effect advantage. Mm-hmm. So as long as you position it quite well, you set up a couple of creatures and not only you... But other, other people, people in your party can get advantage on as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to think. It's a nice the... one to have a couple of free uses of anyway. Oh, I did want to point out mm. that I had to buy the studded leather armour, which is 45 gold pieces. Yes, I forgot to buy studded leather. I bought something else for five gold pieces and I can't remember what it was. Can't remember what it was. Doesn't really matter. But it's 45 gold pieces for studded leather. And I spent one gold on 20 crossbow bolts. So that is a consideration we may not have touched on before. You do need to buy your ammo. So I bought myself 20 crossbow bolts for a gold piece. You can get a ton of them. And usually, I usually end up buying like a a crossbow bolt box or something and putting them in that container just so that they've got like a little thing on their hip that they're just drawing the bolts from when Mm -hmm. they're, they're loading. I mean, I could have been persuaded. I don't know if it's at this level, but that quiver... Elhonor's Quiver, mm. I think it's called. Quiver of Speed, something like that. There's two of them. I They're think the same thing. There's two of them that work in the same way. It's actually the Efficient Quiver and the Quiver of Elona, both of which are uncommon, so we would have been allowed them. Um, I think it might just have been because, as I mentioned the other day, I bought a bunch of magic items on D&D Beyond, so it might be that I've got an overlap, which is why there's two of them with different names that work in basically the same way. Yeah, but um, yeah. I've not got much else to say, really. I quite like Hermea as a damage dealer. Mm-hmm. It's not a particularly flavourful character. But, but I then... think people underrate the single target damage dealer. Yes. So I think we'll talk about like the party role of a character yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. this in the second half, but I think a lot of people underestimate the single target high damage ranged character. I think a lot of it, a lot of people look at that as like, well, you've got a mage who can cast fireball and they can hit all of those people. Mm-hmm. Whereas like having somebody who can hit one target very well, there's a lot of applications where that can really shift the balance of a battlefield. I mean, if you think about the potential for my character to crit as well, You can't crit with a fireball. Well, I think mostly with those sorts of hits, whoever is playing against this character, like the DM is probably, if they want to win the encounter, they're probably going to have to go, that little shit is a real problem. I'm going to have to deal with them. I'm going to have to send some gribblies to harass them. I'm going to have to have somebody throw a grenade or an AOE. Yeah, alchemist fire or something to scare them out of cover. The DM is then going to have to dedicate actions and characters to dealing with that, Mm -hmm. something that can do things like that. 
just looking at the thing here, uh, languages and proficiencies, I've got common elvish and thieves can't. I doubt either of us has too much different from that. Due to the charlatan background, I have proficiency in disguise kit and forgery kit and thieves tools. Mm. So how, flavour-wise, how do you see the charlatan background fitting into this? Okay, so he's always been born in the side of the Temple of Lolf or something similar to that. So, you know, he's been swindling people, he's been convincing people to do other things, and then eventually someone's got fed up, killed his wife, and buggered off. And now he's like, right, me and the missus, Mm. in my head. That's interesting, because I've always, whenever I think of charlatan, I always think con man, Mm. somebody who is saying that they are something that they're not. The first thing that popped into my head when you said phantom charlatan is this is like the skeptics when they used to investigate the the psychic charlatans oh, right, yeah, who yeah. they they were using like stage magic and stuff to make it appear like there's a phantom so yeah, i thought yeah. you could really have fun with that as like the sort of mentalist pseudo psychic character who there's not actually a ghost there mechanically they've got all the traits yeah, yeah. of having a phantom but it's just like stage magic and sleight of hand and trick it you you just flavor it as it's it's them just bullshitting and pretending <laughs> Ooh, there's a ghost well uh, i was just looking at whispers of the dead where you can get a skill or tool proficiency that you can change is it every rest yeah for, for yeah. short or long rest yeah. so they're an actual charlatan they mm. like once per short rest they can go yeah my missus knows what this is <laughs> i can do leather working i can do smith's tools i yeah, can yeah, do yeah. any of these things perhaps hang on let's look at something he's not I didn't fill that in because I was worried there would be a risk that I would end up like building the character around a skill and then just just not have that. So yeah, I, yeah. I've kind of treated it as like a floating, oh yeah, we're going to see some wizards today. I will take Arcana because yeah, yeah. I'll probably be able to, to know what they're doing. If you bear with you me know. just one moment, I will tell you what I've currently put on this. I think it might have been perception. I like the idea though, because you've said, what What did you have on intelligence for this character? 12? 12, right. Yeah, so. 12. Slightly above uh, average intelligence, very low wisdom. Mm-hmm. So the way wisdom normally manifests is what they've been taught in their memory mm-hmm. and things like that. So this is just a character who is kind of like we were saying about the absent-minded professor character. But somebody like asks you a question or something that you're supposed to know about because you're doing the sort of charlatan fake-up mm-hmm. thing. You just stare blankly at them for a couple of seconds while your ghost leans in and goes... It's called a trebuchet. Like, it's a trebuchet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I chose investigation for Whispers of the Dead. You could choose anything depending on the day. I just, I think it's flavorful, mm. but I didn't lean into anything heavy for flavor. I was like, okay, let me, let me find some bullshit. Yeah. This is, you're never missing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very nice yeah. to have. And we'll come on to this later, I'm sure, but. There is something to be said for, I always hit, I always do my damage every single round. And yeah. you look at the potential damage of Fireball compared to the always damage of this and things like it. I don't want to say just this, but this and things like it. And you go, hmm, which would I rather have? So, yeah, that's me. I'm well under time. So, please, on to you. All right. Okay. So this is a hell of a name. All right. It's kind of riffing off of the uh, Drizda word and coming from Menzo Barazanan. So, Menzo Baranzan? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It, it seems to be spelled differently every time I look at it. So my character is called Gortacaranthesis, just because it's it's riffing off that, that sort of. That's the door. Silly long <laughs> dark elf names. Yeah. Backstory is Haunted One. Ooh. So I just tried to tie as much of this together in Mm. terms of there's a ghost. 
And the backstory to it is this is someone who was haunted and was like, shit, there's a ghost after me kind of thing. And then at a certain point, they just kind of got sick of it and just sat there until the ghost like turned up in front of them and went, ah, like, and then they were like, all right, what do you want? <laughs> Let's just make a deal. Let's uh, let's just get this it. over with. Yeah, love it. What, what do you want? What are we going to do about this? And that is also why you end up with this character having a dip in Warlock, mm-hmm. which is one level of Warlock with the undead patron. Did you choose undead or undying? Let me just double check. I don't think it was the undying because I think that's something different. Yeah, the undead Warlock. So their patron is the ghost that's been Mm -hmm. following them around that gave them the haunted one background. They have, in their description, they are neutral good. If I can't think of anything, I will tend to default to neutral good characters. Oh, the undead is the one from Van Richten's. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Personal characteristics. I don't talk about the thing that torments me. I'd rather not burden others with my curse. It's also kind of like, she's right there. (laughs) <laughs> you know, oh, I'm being haunted by a horrific being that's, you know, from beyond the grave and yeah, escape from the bands of hell. And they're just like rude. <laughs> I refuse to become a victim and I will not allow others to be victimized. So, again, that sort of reflects this idea that they did. One day they just turned around to the spirit that was tormenting them and were like, we've got to work this out. You know? I love it. Yeah. Ideals. I think I must have left this in from an earlier version, but it's got I'll stop the spirits that haunt me or die trying. So if that if we are going with that as an ideals trait, they would have to be kind of doing that quite sneakily, given the fact. Oh, maybe that, they've already done it. Given the fact that the well, maybe they have sort of overcome it to the point that yeah. you know it's their patron, and it's giving them power, and they've got sort of a mutual relationship going on rather than sort of stopping them, as in getting rid of them. Bonds. A terrible guilt consumes me. I hope I can find redemption through my actions. I haven't really thought clearly about that, but I kind of figure that there's probably a reason there's a ghost following them. Something they did probably got someone killed. We should definitely, for the first time ever, fuse our builds. Mm. And this uh, terrible guilt consumes me. I hope that I can find redemption through my actions. This would actually fit with my character really well. Mm. But yeah. Flaws. I talk to spirits that no one else can see. So I like the idea that rather than this being sort of like a mystic transference of force or something, they're literally arguing with this ghost that's <laughs> following them around that nobody else can see. Like um, uh, Wasses Beans from um, Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Silas? Yes, very much. Yeah. But again, I mean, when you get that in pop culture, it's usually like the tormented character who's like everybody else is telling them that they're they're going insane and then they start to kind of doubt themselves and think like, am I just going insane or is there really a ghost here? No, this is very much a character who's like, no, there's a ghost. There is absolutely a ghost here. If somebody wants to cast Detect Undead (laughs) or use Eyes of the Grave or Detect Invisibility or whatever the DM has decided will allow you to see a ghost, you'll be like, like, you know, they're doing the floss dance from Fortnite. (laughs) I'm not making this up. There are ways to see ghosts in this universe. Like, True sight would do it. That's the thing is, in the real world, you get that thing where people are like, you know, for a variety of mental health reasons, somebody may feel that there is something that's there that's not. Mm-hmm. And that can be a very disturbing experience because obviously in the real world, mm-hmm. there is no way of absolutely proving to that person's satisfaction that something is there or something isn't there. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in d d you have that thing where people can see ghosts. 
you know, monks can punch ghosts. If mm. a ghost is actually there, there are ways of seeing that there is a ghost there. So this is a character who kind of maybe he's had a night or so of like, oh, God, am I going mad? Is this a spirit tormenting me? And then they just turn up to a cleric and the cleric goes, no, there's a ghost. And then that's it. It's just like, all right, okay, so there's a ghost. So I'll get on with it. Then. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's my thing now. I'll get on with it. <laughs> I was just thinking, it's very Ebenezer Scrooge as well. Mm. The spirit of Christmas, whatever. Instead of being sort of torment me no longer spirits, it's more sort of like by the end of the ghost of Christmas future, where it's like, can we just get this over with? Come let's on, let's go sort come it on, out. Come on, all right, let's go look at the gravestone. <laughs> I love it. Whose name's on the gravestone? I'm sure that's going to be a big surprise. Oh, shit, it's me. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> no that's... one under the age of five is listening to this podcast. Well, they should. No, no one under the age yeah. of 15 should be listening to this podcast. My I... brain processed that differently. I thought you meant nobody over the age of five is going to know about A Christmas Carol. And I oh, was no, going to no. say, oh, they should know about A Christmas, Christmas Carol. No, absolutely. But if you're under the age of 15... You shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But if you are at the age of 15, even if you've only ever seen a Muppet's Christmas Carol. Well, that's the thing. If someone's listening to this and they're under the age of 15, they don't know what a naughty word like fuck means anyway. So we can (laughs) say it because they don't know what it means. It's fine. Probably. Bums. Willies. Ability scores. Bums, willies and ability scores. (laughs) Oh, my. I'm going to blame the heat. (laughs) I'm so sorry, editing Simon. Oh, he's given up by now. Oh, I know. He's left the room. (laughs) (laughs) He's just leaving this to play. Uh, Dexterity, 15. Constitution, 14. Charisma, 13. Mm -hmm. Intelligence, 12. Wisdom, 10. Strength, 8. We've only differences. We swapped our strength and wisdom scores. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a plus two in dexterity because elf. Mm-hmm. And I had a plus one in dex because of the feet, which takes me up to 18. Mm-hmm. Got a plus one in charisma, which also that pushed me in the direction of going warlock as well. The fact that you got plus two mm. to any warlock spells that you want to cast. So that's the standard array. The racial bonuses will probably go more into how these work, but I'll just... I don't think there's anything here really that massively plays into the build that I've got. I mean, we can say that you've got Fey Ancestry, which gives you advantage on charm and being put to sleep. And yeah. Is it frightened as well, or is it just charm? I think the big thing really is that sunlight sensitivity is a problem, but I think that's kind of a problem for both builds. So I think mm. that'll probably be worth going into more in the second half. So there are some stats. Mm-hmm. Standout skills, acrobatics plus seven, because if they get grabbed, that's a problem. They won't yeah, be able yeah. to get away from that. Investigation plus four, mm-hmm. perception plus three, but that's only going to be in the darkness. In darkness, yeah. I think what it said in the wording before is if you or your target are in sunlight. So that means in order to not have disadvantage, both of you have to be in the dark. Both of you would have to be in darkness, yeah. But if someone else is hiding and it's really yeah. sunny in between, that doesn't matter, apparently. A bit weird, isn't it? Plus four in religion, which I think comes from the Haunted One background. Yeah, I would imagine uh, so. Sleight of hand plus seven, stealth plus ten as well. Nice. I've got survival in there, and I think that's Haunted One as well. Yes, it is. I, I think that's right. Yeah. Did you only have one expertise? I chose to take it in, in stealth th- and in thieves, thieves tools. tools. Yeah, I thought you, you might have taken it in two I skills. I did take it in two skills. So that's why you you had two. I was going to ask people. you, but... Yeah. Looking at my actions, I've got rapier, I've got shortbow... Form of Dread. 
Mm. As a bonus action, you can transform to manifest an aspect of your patron's dread. For a minute, so basically for the rest of that combat, you gain the following benefits. You gain temp HP equal to 1d10 plus 1. That's really nice for a low health character like a, a rogue especially if you're thinking about getting up close and personal. This character, I haven't really thought about whether I'm going to be up close or whether I'm going to be at range. Mm -hmm. I think kind of like a warlock, it's somebody who could do both. Once on each of your turns, if you hit a creature, you can force it to make a wisdom saving throw on a fail. It is frightened of you until the end of your next turn. If you've got something that's big and heavy looking, Mm -hmm. that's running straight towards you, you just make it frightened of you and then it can't get any closer because it's frightened of you. Fear is one of the most commonly resisted status effects. I'm just going to say that. Okay, but it's nice that you. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The feet, I took piercer because I've got rapier and I've got a short bow, but thinking about it, I would probably take the heavy. Well, I couldn't take the heavy crossbow because that's fighter that gives you the proficiency in that, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? So without. You might be able to take standard crossbow as part of Warlock. But I think, anyway, I just took short bow because it was in the starting equipment. So for Piercer, if I score a critical hit that deals piercing damage to a creature, you can roll one additional damage die when determining the extra piercing damage the target takes. Once per turn when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage, you can re-roll one of the attack's damage dice and you must use the new roll. So that's pretty nice as well. Got Sneak Attack and they got Whales from the Grave, Mm -hmm. which is slashing... Yeah, yeah, you add extra necrotic. The Sneak Attack onto something else. I've only got leather armor, but I haven't really used the 100 GP that we agreed on. So you could very easily take a chain shirt, in which case you get less of the dexterity bonus to it. Yeah. It's not worth taking chain shirt over studded leather. Because I looked at this too. You would only get a plus two, which would give you... And then chain shirt is 13. So 13 plus two is 15. And 12 plus your four dex mod is 16. The reason for that is... Light armor uses your full dexterity yes. bonus. Medium armor only uses the first two points. Yeah, unless you take it. medium armor master. Yeah, unless you take medium armor master. So that could be an option you could look at at higher levels, in which case you've got... There's a couple of types of armor for medium. It wouldn't be the most efficient thing. It would be for me, because I've got a level in fighter, which gives me medium armor proficiency. Okay. And with medium armor master on top, I would be able to have shields... And I wouldn't have disadvantage on stealth. Yeah, you would have quite a beefy bonus. A beefy, yeah. beefy bad boy. I don't think I've got anything else. I, Did the, you take a magic item? Do you know, I don't think I have. So there you go, that's a big hole in the build. With the Haunted One background, you do get to roll on the Spoopy Boy Trinket yeah. table that you get. Oh, did you take one? The way I tend to do with this to make it a little bit more fun is when I roll on a trinket table, I roll three times and then I take the most interesting option because yeah. I think that gives you the aspect of randomness, but it also gives you a little bit of control so you don't end up with something that just isn't that interesting. Mm-hmm. So the three that possibilities that I rolled are... Copper ring with mine engraved on the inside. Love that. A music box that plays by itself whenever someone holding it dances. Or an eye patch embroidered with a holy symbol. And I've got a silver coin for some reason. Oh, you get that. I think that's part of it. So, the spells that I took, because obviously Mm -hmm. I am warlock, I'm allowed... I didn't take Eldritch Blast. I think because you can't put Sneak Attack onto Eldritch Blast. So it means... It kind of comes down to that, like, I wanted this to feel like a rogue more than it felt like a a warlock. So the warlock is kind of like a little bit of additional flavor to it. So there's booming blade so that if they if they do choose to go up close, it gives you a little bit of extra damage to load onto a a melee attack to make it worth it. Mm -hmm. Dancing lights from Drown Magic and Mage Hand, just because I thought that fits the thief thing. You can't 
use it as efficiently as uh, an arcane trickster can but it does or if you've got That's a good true. sleight of hand you can sort of like steal things off people at a distance it sort of gives you a little bit more of a mage flavor to yeah, your, like your cantrips armor of agathis which again if you're going into close combat you'll want something like that to make you a bit more nuclear fairy fire an unseen servant yeah i looked at that as well when i was considering warlock that's just your ghost Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Because then you can use that as once per day, your ghost can actually do something. Yeah, that's your ghost can oh, actually sort so of join cool. in and do I something. I wish I'd come yeah. up with that flavour. Again, it's more of a flavour thing. It's not really an efficiency thing, but it just lets you play about with that. Do you mind me asking, yeah. would you take more Warlock than just this one level, do you think, if you were building this character for you? Or do you want to save that for after the break? Yeah, I think we'll save that. I'm happy with this character. There's a couple of characters that I sort of turned up and I felt like all I've done is sort of like tied together a couple of things from like this part of the build works with this part yeah. of the build. Sometimes I've turned it with a character like that and I've I've really lent into the backstory a bit more mm -hmm. because that's been my way of making up like, <laughs> honestly, dear listener, I have been thinking about this during the week. I haven't just sort of like half-assed, oh, there, that's an efficient way to build that. Like, I lean into the backstory if I'm not happy with what I've done with the mechanics. Yeah, of course. But I'm happy with how the mechanics contribute to the backstory of this character. Do you think you leaned in enough with the backstory because of how, how you liked the mechanics? I think so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, rather than it being like, oh, I had to concentrate on the backstory or I concentrated more on the mechanics, I think they both contribute to each yeah, other yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else on here really that sort of contributes to anything. I mean, otherworldly patron, the undead, which mm. is the thing that you are getting your power from is an undead creature, which in this case is the ghost that is also giving them, mm. you know, the, the rogue subclass phantom abilities. Expanded spell list, I took that from Tasha. So there's a couple of extra spells that I have as an option. Trance, you've only got four hours for a long rest, but... Mm. There's nothing really that you get. I mean, there's a couple of things you get from a long rest, but it just means your long rests are shorter. So you don't have to sort of... I've got the smile. What you done? <laughs> I just realised a dark elf, undead patron warlock, cross shadow sorcerer, has yeah. four hours of everyone else's long rest to coffee lock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at drow magic there. That's fairy fire and darkness are one use per long rest. So that means if your long rests are half the time everyone else's, and you, you're probably still going to have to wait around for the rest of your party. But it just means that it's less of a, a short rest for you. One thing that is nice about this is drow magic just gives you second level darkness. It's not, it gives you that as a known spell if you reach a level where you can cast second level spells mm. you can cast it at level one and i think we've said before about things like fey touched and stuff like that they're situationally quite powerful because they give you a second level spell at level one which you're not supposed to have second level spells oh if you're taking it a very human yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not supposed to have second level spells until it's... you hit third level yeah yeah Drow weapon training is interesting <laughs> because it's proficiency with rapiers, short swords and hand crossbows. Most of the other elf races give you uh, longbows, don't they? Short sword, short bow, long sword, long bow. Yeah, that's usually they give you that. The for, long and the short um, of it. They usually give you that for elves. I think that is Gorticaranthesis. This is it is a stupid name. <laughs> I think I might have forgot to add a language, so I'm going to have a look now. Just a quick one. I said it earlier. Would you take Green Flame Blade over Booming Blade? 
I'm just going to look at the wording of Booming Blade because in the case of yours, because you're primarily a ranged thing, like Booming Blade wouldn't be any good for you because it's make a melee attack with uh, it. Same with Green creature. Flame Blade. But with Green Flame Blade, you'd be adding your Charisma modifier and half of your sneak attack damage, potentially, mm. to the other person hit. Yeah. It would just be a way of fucking people up. Yeah. I think ultimately with this, it's more just... This satisfies an itch that I have with characters that I would want to play, which is I always feel like I want a couple of spells or spell-like abilities so that I feel like I can do something more interesting and I have options with the character. And I think particularly with this, like I say, the spells that you have are not optimal. I just like the idea that, you know, you have this ghost and you can just summon them. I don't think they're suboptimal, though. They're not there because they're the most optimal choice, is what I'm saying. I didn't, yeah, yeah. Cho- I didn't choose them because they're optimal. I mean, if no, no. they are, that's a nice bonus. But I just chose them because it's it's interesting sort of flavour and flair. What magic things. item would you pick? I mean, even if it's just a plus one rapier, what would you... Because um, I, wanna... I think I would be very, very tempted to take that... Is it the Dark Shard Amulet? What's the one that... Oh, the... yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just look that up. Okay, so Dark Shard Amulet... You can use the amulet as a spellcasting focus for your warlock spells. You wouldn't have one. You'd have to buy one, ordinarily. Yeah. That's why you need that. That would would fulfil that. You can try to cast a cantrip that you don't know. The cantrip must be on the warlock spell list, and you must make a DC 10 intelligence arcana check. If the check succeeds, you cast the spell. If the check fails, so does the spell, and the action used to cast the spell is wasted. In either case, you can't use this property again until you finish a long rest. So the Warlock cantrip list is they're mostly sort of attack and combat things. But it means if I just go to spells and have a look at what cantrips Warlocks have. Okay, so for spells that you can learn as a Warlock, things that would, things that would be situationally useful to try and cast. Mm-hmm. Create bonfire mm-hmm. if you need to, if you're out in the wilds friends very easy. because the thing about that is it's not you cast it on somebody else and then you fail and they're onto you you stand around the corner you try to cast it on yourself and then it's like ah hasn't worked so i don't have that bonus mm-hmm. magic stone which i've looked at that's that's an interesting one situationally because you cast the magic stones and then the thing is you have those three stones you can give them to somebody else to throw yep and if you use a sling or uh... you hire three peasants and you give them the magic stones yeah, why not? Mind Sliver is quite nice because if you are going to cast something that's going to give them a save or somebody else is going to cast something that you don't want the other person to save, you can do that to kind of help that along. Mind Sliver is also only a verbal component. Minor Illusion might be useful. Mm-hmm. Prestidigitation. There are so many uses for prestidigitation. Absolutely. Having a chance of casting that. Toll the Dead. Yeah, there's a couple of Warlock cantrips that could be kind of useful. There's almost a case mm-hmm. for True Strike. I've never looked at True Strike because every time somebody has said it, they've gone, oh, fucking True Strike. Because true, it, it true has strike a reputation. Has it has a reputation. Very minimal, but it does have some uses. If there's nowhere for you to hide as a rogue, if there's no way for you to steady aim, which is now completely removed, but if mm. you're a melee-focused rogue, you can use steady aim in melee then True Strike is fan-dabby-dozy. You could hide behind something as your bonus action on one turn. Then you're hiding behind the king's chair as he's giving mm. the speech to the populace. You then have advantage, sneak attack, all the Nova damage, and then bugger off back home. One homebrew suggestion that I've read is, and it, it has to be very specific wording on this, 
is you make it a bonus action, but it still says on your next turn. So you can't use it like, oh, bonus action, I'm going to give myself advantage and then attack. You have to do your normal stuff in that round and then go, okay, bonus action, I'm going to give myself advantage on my next turn. And that's really... Some people have have said it would then be a really good pick for a spell. But again, you you have to be very careful about the wording on it so that it doesn't turn into, oh, bonus action, true strike, and then attack. You have to make sure it still has that on your next next turn turn suggestion. That's a good idea. Yeah. Shall we Mm -hmm. save editing Simon some aggro? Yes. And we'll cut the thing here. What's it? He's going to bite my leg. You are him. I know, but also... He is very angry. So anyway... Just back after the break. Hello, everyone. Hello. And we are now talking about general stuff. Yeah. So this this is stuff that applies to both builds. Race. Dark Elf. What problems have Dark Elves got? The sunlight sensitivity, man. Yeah, it's a big one. I actually think their weapon training is better. Rapier, short sword and hand crossbow. I think is more generally applicable to other classes when you consider things like the standard stat bonuses for elves. Yeah. I think the drow magic is spot on. Mm. I think it's perfect, actually. But that that sunlight sensitivity man is killer. My one wish with the drow magic would be that they did it in the sort of the way they seem to be moving towards with spells where you get a free cast of it and then you can spend spell slots on doing it again if you want. I would be willing to put money that when 5.5 comes out that we're going to get updates for that. It really seems like they're going to move more Mm. things towards being like that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I've got nothing bad to say about... I mean, should we point out that there's a huge controversy regarding portraying a bunch of black-skinned elves as evil? Or That has to be mentioned, certainly. Historically, drow have had a huge problem with the fact that they were like, oh yeah, they're the evil elves, you know. And they've got black skin and red eyes. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now they've gone for a more purple-grey theme. Mm. But also the fact that, like, you know, they're, they're one of the few matriarchal societies. Yeah, and they're evil. And they're the evil one. Let's just remember that Gary Gygax himself is essentially the HP Lovecraft of TTRPGs. I have hadn't heard that until last week, but there's a lot of people that have been like, oof. I saw somewhere, and I am not capable of remembering the full context of this. Yeah. But essentially there was a point, there was something that Gary Gygax wrote at one point that was basically, I'm sorry, female rights people. And he used a particular word that I can't quite remember. But it's just true that women are bit worse at. Uh, 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 uh. Mm. Or something similar. Yeah, because earlier editions, you literally... I think I've said before, and I'm 75% sure that what I used to play when I was younger was first edition advanced. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure in that there was like male and female mm-hmm. characters had different stat bonuses. You know... Men tended to have higher strength and women tended to have higher dexterity. and As well as, like, the racial essentialism, you also had, like, you know, gender essentialism as well. And I think there's some low-key ableism in there as well uh, regarding certain things, like when you receive a certain amount of permanent injuries, etc. Maybe oh, I'm, maybe I'm God, mis- yeah, yeah. No, there, there was there was a whole injury I system. might be rem- misremembering it from more time, but 
still? No, I think there was in, in one previous edition, I'm pretty sure. There was at least an optional system for you could get horrific injuries and then it was like, right, you're now worse at things and there's no way of getting around that. Yeah. Which I do have to give a shout out to 5e for putting prosthetic limb in the standard equipment. Yep. And it's very clear in the description of that that it fulfills everything that there, they... There are a few things like that. Um, the yeah. armourer artificer, yeah. if you are missing any limbs as an armourer artificer, it replaces one of those limbs. Yeah, there's loads of little things that they've added like that. The way we look at it, there are going to be gaping holes in the way that we look at this Absolutely, class. absolutely. But they're moving back in a better direction. I think they've got a way to go. <laughs> I think the um, combat wheelchair rules need to be made canon. That said, if anyone has read Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, one of the best things in it is that under each type of horror, it will say, for body horror, there is some ableist commentary as part of this genre in mm. the past. Cosmic horror has basically our own caveat about H.P. Lovecraft baked into it. Yeah. So I'm not going to find it to read it out because we'll end up cutting it anyway. There are efforts being made and sometimes you have to applaud the efforts because that's what gets more of it included. Okay, so I think I found the tweet that you may have been referring yeah, 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 to yeah. at Unseely Aurora on Twitter. And today I found out Gary Gargax thought, in quotes, most women do not play RPGs because of a difference in brain function and that it was a waste of time trying to bring them into the hobby. So happy Gygax Day, but also not. Uh, so yeah, he is... A shit. A shit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so long and thanks for all the fish. The same as we say with Lovecraft, Guy was racist. From the things that he thought up, you have other authors that have built on that and created something absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. Same thing with D&D. It's kind of a huge middle finger to Gygax, the fact, in a good way, mm. the fact that now you have an organisation that's not perfect, but they seem to be trying and they seem to be moving in the right direction. They seem to be doing their... I'm not going to say doing their best because they're not perfect. No. But, <laughs> They're better than they were. And they're better a than a lot of others. And moving in that direction is a good thing. Yeah. They've probably still got a way to go, but moving in that direction is, is better than... They've not. definitely still got a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't know what it is. <laughs> that said, with a heavy load of caveats, mm -hmm. I think Drow is actually really good, especially in combination with the rogue class because of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the weapon training that you get. And I think the rogues that you get. definitely, not just in terms of mechanics, but flair, they definitely have more of a reason to be hiding in the dark. The only other character I can think of that really, sorry, not the only, but the other character that comes to mind is the Way of Shadow Monk. Gloomstalker they, Ranger. Gloomstalker Ranger as well. Both of those, they have like Twilight mechanical character. mechanical reasons to be lurking about in the dark. Mm. So that kind of works with the... Shadow Sorcerer. Yeah. See, this is why I don't say the only class I can think of. Because there are a ton. And no, someone's always going to think I was actually just going to say, just because I'm not trying to undermine your point at all, but just because I listed five or six, the cleric on its own has at least 12 subclasses. Yeah. So six subclasses <laughs> out of all the subclasses in D&D &D is actually not a high percentage. Yeah, but I mean, there are classes that can... Yeah work with that and can sort of mechanically help with that. Absolutely. What did you think of the Phantom Rug as a subclass? I hadn't really heard of it before. Mm -hmm. I have, I think I it's have interesting. opinions. So, 
I'm bringing up, I was about to say my good friends. I don't know them. But the Dungeon Dudes did a, a ranking of it. Your parasocial friends. My parasocial, parasitic relationship. Yeah. One of the things they said is that they think it comes on online at much later levels when you can suddenly turn into a ghost. Yeah. And you can ghost walk. I think it's level 13 or something. Okay. That's much later. I actually think it's pretty sick at lower levels because you get, okay, and I'm putting my sneak attack bonus over there. I think when you combine that with things like Green Flame Blade, when you combine that with the build that I've gone for, not to toot my own horn on it, but just to say, where you're definitely killing that mook. Yeah. And you've injured the other one. Builds like yours where it's almost impossible to miss. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm injuring that one heavily, and that one's taken a little bit of damage yeah. as well. You're a martial class that doesn't need the two attacks mm. as much. And if you think about it, if there's something within 30 feet of that creature, you've got guaranteed extra damage. Hmm. Almost guaranteed. It's an extra chance to hit with extra yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. But for, for this character, you know, that's almost guaranteed extra damage on another character, which I don't really think you get with other... How does things like Piercer and Savage Attacker, where you get to re-roll a damage dice, mm-hmm. depending on what the wording of that is, could you, like, re-roll the extra attack? The, the extra sneak attack uses Necrotic. All oh, right, okay. And there is no Necrotic Adept that I can think of. There's something that I had in mind... Where you could re-roll the damage once per Yeah, turn. yeah, yeah. If you no, oh no, it's when you do piercing damage, you can re-roll it, so you wouldn't be. Yeah. But hang on, go to it. Uh, once per turn, when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage, you can re-roll one of the attacks damage dice. The thing that's interesting about that is it's an attack that deals piercing damage. Yeah. So if you had a spell that did piercing damage. Yep. Oh, cloud of daggers. Yeah, there Something is. Like well, there's one which is uh, like you have a shitload of swords circling around you. Yeah. No, 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 hang on, look at this. Piercing, reroll damage. Once per turn, when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage, sneak attack deals extra 2d6 damage of the type that you are doing. The amount of dice is roughly equal to maximum spell level known of a magic user. All right. So, one at level one, two at level three, three at level five, etc. Mm. So, when you would get X level spells, that's how many dice you get, roughly. It's one of the things that I think is interesting about Rogue is that sneak attack bonus is huge. And I can really see why, for example, they don't want you adding it to unarmed strikes and Mm -hmm. things like that for a a monk. Here's another thing about sneak attack. Yeah. Sneak attack is once per turn, not once per round. If you reaction opportunity attack someone, you can still put sneak attack on that. Mm. It's a niche use. I will grant you. Not if you've got Mage Slayer. Park yourself next to a mage. mage. Every time they cast a spell, sneak you shank them. Yeah. <laughs> so two lots of sneak attack. Plus, if you've got Piercer, yeah. you're rolling one of those. You're re-rolling. The, you're re-rolling the, one of the damage dice. This is dice. one of the... Inter- yeah, this says you can re-roll one of the attack's damage dice. But there are some of them that say you can re-roll the damage die. And some interpretations of that wording have taken that to mean a greatsword that does 2d6. Because the damage die type for a greatsword is 2d6. So can, anything yeah, that says... If, if either of them yeah, are one or two. If it says you can re-roll the damage die, it means that you can re-roll both of those dice if that type of attack... I know it doesn't apply so much in this case where we're talking mm. specifically about piercer, which specifically applies to piercing damage attacks only. But there are some interpretations of it that say damage die for a greatsword would refer to both of the d6. Yeah. And this is yeah. specifying one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I have to say, the reason I brought up that sneak attack on your other turn is that you can also repost. Oh, shit. With the Battlemaster. Yeah. That's not a Steve special. That is one found online from someone else. Hmm. But uh, if I was going to carry this on further, I would take three levels for Battlemaster. Yeah. Stick repost on there. If I was in close combat or one yeah. of the shots. If I, yeah. So that would be the fighter subclass that you would choose to go with this would be Battlemaster. There are so many you could go for. You could consider Eldritch Knight for shield. Mm, Champion yeah. to crit on a 19 or a 20, <laughs> which you're really likely to do with super oh, advantage. Jesus, yeah, and then you're critting, so you're... I mean, I'm doubling my crit rate. If you've worked piercer into that... I mean, if you're doing super You can roll crits. one additional damage die when determining the extra piercing damage type and then, target tapes. What's the rule called that you use? I so, call it turbo crits. But That's it's, what I call it. It's the one where you get maximum... Maximum damage on your damage dice and you roll an extra one. Yeah, so if you had this, then you roll another one on top of that for your crit. Yep. Which, again, if you combine it with the champion thing where you're critting on a 19 or 20, you've just doubled your chance of yep. wiping someone off the map if you crit. Yep, absolutely. Nice. I mean, I love crit fishing. Crit mm. fishing is like number one for me. Well, one thing that occurred to me when I was listening to the episode I was editing last week, mm. which is, I know mostly you're coming at this from the angle of a DM. Hmm. But when we were playing in the campaign that my wife Hmm. was DMing, the difference between our two play styles, I think you could sum up with when we turned up at that pirate village and they had the fighting ring. And the thing that I did was I took all of my armor off, bare knuckle fought someone, and I was fully prepared to lose to go up to the winner and buy them a drink because that was the character I had and just use that as like an in for role-playing purposes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I even had the thing like, oh, I take my armor off and you see a little heart tattoo on the back of one of his shoulder that's got the name Bodhi written in it. And I was like, that's a hint, guys, remember that. Yeah. So I was using it as like a, an opportunity to do all of this role-play stuff. I was fully prepared to lose that, uh, yeah. that combat as a thing. What did you do? What did I do? Yeah. Okay, I was a fifth level warlock with one level of sorcerer Mm -hmm. and i said to your partner i want to do a magic fight and instead she turned up with a pissing barbarian (laughs) and i shat myself she attacked me so i threw up shield so that she couldn't hit me with either of her attacks and then my turn i hexblades cursed i managed to roll a crit if i remember correctly i actually rolled a 20 and a 19 so both my attacks crit and i pumped my eldritch smite into it and I think I reduced them to no hit points. I think in you, one round. Yeah, you you hit them with everything in yeah. one round. Yeah, I did. Which again, you've said with that character Aaron, he is a bit arrogant, and no, he's like an that fighter. absolutely suits him. This idea that he just goes into this fighting ring and just goes, "Oh, you're a problem. I'm going to get rid of you." Like <laughs> that. Whereas Perdition just walked in there like, "Well, if I lose, I'll just go." Well, I, I've also said on this podcast before many times, I like a big round. You like that one big turn, don't you? Not necessarily one, but there is a portion of me that likes to go, okay, this turn I can do two little attacks and get rid of some mooks or at least half their HP or whatever. The next turn I'm doing a massive chunk of damage to the big thing that's scary. Mm. (laughs) Get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) And that means that when you do that massive chunk of damage, you've potentially removed a quarter, half, even 10% of its hit points. And you've reduced the threat of it. Yeah, yeah. Because now it's going to take less rounds to kill. 
Well, that's the other thing is if you have a big enemy that you look at and you think like, if you know your monster manuals and you look at the minion and you go, okay, it's that, it's probably got in the range of this hit points. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're metagaming it, you can kind of look at a big enemy and you can go, okay, that's statistically likely to take this many turns to burn down. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you can do that big thing, you can then bring its health under a point where other classes have a shot at killing it in their turn. Exactly. So rather than it being like a big threat that's going to take the barbarian throwing everything they've got at it and your average class that can't really do huge chunks of damage or things like that, rather than thinking, oh, it's going to take three people's turns to take that off the board... You know, if you're talking about something like a Beholder, where when it gets to its turn, it gets it just, to do... Just random it gets, it gets to do horrific yeah. things on its turn, or a Mind Flayer. If you've got a Nova character who can go in and just strip a huge chunk of its health off, they haven't killed it, but they've brought it within range of being dead by the time it gets to its turn. Do you remember when we did my Spooptober campaign? Yes. I'm really sorry for listeners at home. We're going to talk about a home game that happened in October of last year. You guys really struggled with the final boss. Yeah. That's because all three of you decided, let's take out the mooks first. Mm. And Big Brain in a Jar got to wander around and shoot basically the Mind Flayer's Mind Blast at a reduced level at you. And just wander about going, ha 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 ha, I've Mm. stunned some of you or whatever its condition is. And you really struggled. Whereas... In my play, you've got one turn to get that off. And then I'm in there. I've reduced you to half your hit points. I'm back out. Let me take out some mooks. And everyone else can go and get the glory. Yeah. My mission is not necessarily guts and glory, go in, be the hero. It's more, right, strip that of a huge portion of its threat and let everyone else do what they need to do. Yeah. Which is why I should probably play a paladin. But I'm sort of paladin racist. Multi-class options. Another consideration I did have was a strength-based rogue and mixing it with paladin. So what'd you get from that? So it would have to be two levels of paladin. I would be missing out on the ASI slash feet. But you would get smites. Smite plus sneak attack. (laughs) Since you said multi-class options before, one of the things that you mentioned outside was if you did rogue three, warlock two, Mm -hmm. then you're getting your eldritch invocations. I have a habit of looking at it as I usually want to take the primary class at least to level four because the then ASI. you're looking at the ASI or the feet. But in the case of the Eldritch Invocations, a lot of them can add so much to a character that it can certainly be argued to be keeping up with some of your options. I'm going to mention feats. a few right now. Yeah. Armor of Shadows. You can cast Mage Armor on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. God, that would be so useful. For... On a rogue, that's a 17 armor class. Yeah. Permanently. That would be really, really good for sorcerers as well. If you were doing the Sawlock thing, take that as your invocation because then you're not using up a spell I'm, slot. I'm sure there are people who would say take other things. but Oh yeah, there's probably more efficient things. But I, I'm, I also, I'm always tempted by it in terms of a dip. I always tend to think about it in terms of when I played a sorcerer, when I played Cesare, it did feel like... I was using up one of those spells known for mage armor and I was using up a spell slot I think every you would, day. I think you would really like a warlock. I think I've said in a previous episode, I've always thought of warlocks the way they were played in Critical Role with Ford, where it's kind of, you are under the thumb of your warlock and your warlock can f- fuck with you by demanding you do things. I meant patron messing with you, obviously. 
Whereas if you agree with your DM, it doesn't have to be like that. My wife's character, where she's... Mm. We found a great, almost like a rules lawyering to get a level of Warlock in there, which is like, yeah, but I've dedicated my life to the Silver Flame. And and you were like, yeah, you've dedicated your life to the Silver Flame. You can dedicate your death to the Raven Queen. You know, there's no (laughs) conflict there. You live your life serving the Silver Flame, and then you go and serve the the Raven Queen. You will never know the glorious highlands of the Silver Flame. The uh, the afterlife, that's what I meant. I don't want to say highlands. But that's what I mean. There's like, you can, if you want, just have like, you have contacted this powerful entity. You have made a deal. You have been given this power. Next time you have to level up, there may be a little awkward clause on the end of the contract, but it could just be you go back to the deity and go, all right, I want this power now. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be an adversarial relationship. And there's a lot of warlock patrons like the Celestial, the Fae. I mean, the the Fae, Fae, I'm pretty sure for flavor reasons, there would be a large amount of fuckery in the deal that you had with the That's part of the fun. But that's part of the the fade. I mean, things like Great Old One and Fathomless, I Mm. think you've essentially said, yes, I want my patron to fuck with me. Yeah, Great Old One, I think you're going to have that sort of Lovecraft flavour to it where it's it's almost like with the Great Old One, it's it's an incredibly powerful deity has decided to fuck with you rather than you seeking them out for power. So just a couple of other uh, Warlock invocations because we deviated and I'm aware we weren't going to... Beast speech, so you can speak with animals at will. Okay. Really useful for infiltrating. Beguiling influence, you gain proficiency in the deception and persuasion skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Which would be good for your con well, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've already, I think I've already got proficiency in them, but the point still stands. Yeah. I mean, okay, if you're taking it to level three and you take Pact of the Tome, Book of Ancient Secrets, which allows you to add two first spells that are the ritual tag from any class's spell list. Mm. So now you've got a bunch of ritual spells. Cloak of Flies at 5th level, which allows you to surround yourself with an aura of buzzing flies, and you have advantage on intimidation checks. And disadvantage on all other charisma checks. I mean, you would do, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any other creature that starts its turn, or takes poison damage equal to your charisma, charisma modifier. Ooh. Yeah. Devil's Sight. This is the one we want to talk about. You can see normally in darkness... Both magical and non-magical to a distance of 120 feet. You've got darkness on the spell list. You guys can work it out for yourself. (laughs) You cast darkness. You can see through it. The enemy can't see you. You always have advantage. I know, like, I haven't created a melee specialist. You could whack down darkness and then you just run around stabby, 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 stabby. Uh, I believe darkness is also on the warlock spell list. In fact, I'm almost certain it is. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of comes back around to what we were saying about the races. It would be really nice if the drow magic worked the way the... Others do. The newer stuff do, where you can still cast it using spell slots. Eldritch Mind. You have advantage on constitution saving throws that you make to maintain your concentration on a spell. Hmm. So that gives you one of the most useful parts of Warcaster. Yeah. And then you also take Resilient Constitution as a feat. So you're now proficient in constitution saving throws. (laughs) And get a plus one. Eldritch Sight. You can cast Detect Magic at will without expending a spell slot. If you take Pact of the Blade, you can Eldritch Smite with a bow. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned this with the uh, the Hobgoblin. Yep. yep. The Ranger. Yeah. Thing. Eldritch Spear. When you cast Eldritch Blast, its range is 300 feet. Oof. You're not adding Sneak Attack to that, but we'll, we'll mention it now as a cool invocation. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's one for Rogues. Eyes of the Runekeeper. You can read all writing. 
including the spiralling circular language of the gith, the psionically imposed language of the mind flayers, etc. Fiendish Vigor, you can cast False Life on yourself at will as a first level spell without expending a spell slot or material components. False Life lasts for a minute, doesn't it? One hour. One hour. So if you knew you had a fight in an hour... Gaze of Two Minds. You can use your action to touch a willing humanoid and perceive through its senses until the end of your next turn. Mm. As long as the creature is on the same place of existence, same plane of existence as you, you can use your action on subsequent turns to maintain this connection, extending the duration until the end of your next turn. Say, for example, mm-hmm. you have a room where you will be recognised if you walk in. You give a peasant five silver to walk in. Yep, just sit there, being on the meeting. Yep, and they don't know it's you. Yes. Ghostly gaze at seventh level, which allows you to see through solid objects. Oh, I know exactly what's in that chest. It's a trap. Mm. Or a snake. Or a mimic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you could take Pact of the Chain so that you can always have advantage. You can always get sneak attack because there's an ally there. Mm. Um, this is the third level, obviously. Grasp of Hadar. Or Hadar. Bill Hader. Once on each of your turns, when you hit a creature with your Eldritch Blast, you can move that creature in a straight line ten feet closer to you. There's also Repelling Blast, which allows you to push them away. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Improved Pact Weapons which allows you to conjure a short bow, long bow, light crossbow, or heavy crossbow as a warlock weapon, mm-hmm. which also allows you to add plus one bonus to its attack and damage rolls with improved back weapon, which is nasty. Which would mean, if you found a way of working that into your build, you wouldn't have needed to take the plus one. You could have taken something else. Like Cloak of Elvenkind. Yeah, you could have <laughs> taken... Oh, yeah, just... Well, I'm thinking what you would need really is a magic item that would consistently give oh, you would, advantage yeah. to be able to see things like in sunlight. Like an inverse of Goggles of Night. Kind of, yeah. I think there is a Goggles that affects sun- sunlight sensitivity. Someone will know. Misty Visions. You can cast Silent Image at will without Oof. expending a spell slot or material components. <laughs> that's uh, that's a first level illusion spell for free as a cantrip, essentially. Otherworldly Leap. This is a ninth level. You can cast Jump on yourself at will without expending a spell slot or material components. Hmm. Uh, Jump at will is pretty good because every time I've looked at it as a spell, I've thought, yeah, it's nice, but I don't know if I'd want to spend a spell slot on doing it. Whereas having it as an at will, mm. it's kind of like mage armor. You know, the other good thing about that is if somebody dispels it, it's like, all right, back up. Yeah, one action for free. Seventh level, you can cast Polymorph. This is seventh level of Warlock, obviously. Mm. Bestow Curse at fifth level. You can cast Bane once using a Warlock spell slot. You can't do so again until you finish a long rest. Maybe not the best, but still good. Also, five levels of Warlock Compact of the Blade is a way of getting two attacks. Mm-hmm. If you didn't want to do the definitely hitting thing that I've got. Yeah. Seventh level, you can cast Freedom of Movement once on yourself without spending a spell slot. You gain the ability to do so when you finish a long rest. Freedom of Movement is a fourth level spell. You are unaffected by difficult terrain. Spells and other magical effects can neither reduce the target speed nor cause the target to be paralysed or restrained. You can also Mm. spend five feet of movement to automatically escape from non-magical restraints, such as manacles or a creature that has it grappled. Finally, being underwater imposes no penalties on the target's movement or attacks. Undying Servitude. As a fifth level warlock, you can cast Animate Dead without using a spell slot once per day. That gives you a buddy that can be in combat and always give you sneak attack. Mm. One thing I do like about the Eldritch Invocations, again, I feel like this is a bit of a patch by Tasha's, but the fact you can replace them as you level up, can't you? 
Yeah, that's what I did constantly throughout Erin's career. That's good back. because, as you were saying before about when you you've been choosing levels as a warlock, you're always looking at like what's the one that's no longer good. In terms of spells, yes. In terms of spells, yeah. Yeah. Which spell is not good at this level and what can I replace it with? So you kind of get to do that with invocations as well. Mm -hmm. So there might be something where you think, oh, that's really powerful at this level. And then if you're multi-classing, you might get that ability anyway from something else. And then you can just replace it next time you level up. Absolutely. So Eldritch Invocations are a really nice option. And there's a couple of them that could work really well in conjunction with a rogue. I mean, let's talk about the pros and cons here. If I may go first, yeah, I think the pros are that you're a rogue, and the con is that you don't get much out of your subclass until much, much later levels. Yeah. And I do kind of think that what you get from that dip in Undead Patron Warlock is kind of better than anything you get at later levels. Like, Wales from the Grave, Whispers of the Grave are, are nice, but I really think the Warlock is the key part of that, or Fighter in my case, where you're yeah. raising the stake of that. I think it's also one of those builds where I've built it this way because we have the things that we've rolled, but mm -hmm. I think there are probably different Warlock classes that might get a nicer result, and there are probably different... I think the Undead is one of the best-ranked by the Dungeon Dudes, admittedly, but it's yeah. one of the better-received patrons... Yeah. I did look at taking a level of Hexblade, and I decided not to, simply because with a rogue, your damage and your armor class goes up with dex. Mm. A Hexblade, only your damage goes up with charisma. Yeah. And your spellcasting. So your spellcasting and your weapon. And you can't get sneak attack from spellcasting. Uh, you could if you were taking things like Shadow Blade. Like, if you're doing a, um, a rogue... Yeah. Warlock build, and you take three levels of Warlock, and you get Shadow Blade. That's two d eight psychic damage plus your sneak attack damage. Yeah, that, yeah. That's worth it. But even then, it wouldn't be worth it to take Hexblade for that. You could take literally any other uh, patron and get more out of it than Hexblade. Yeah, the Warlock dip seems like the obvious choice. Like I say, just because you have that plus one in charisma anyway, mm. it kind of nudges you in that direction, doesn't oh, it? I mean, just to go back to multi-class options for a little bit, I did look at Bard. Which is great. I looked yeah. at Sorcerer, also great, because you can use like buff spells and stuff. Yeah. If we didn't have the restrictions of the modifiers, mm. I was this close to doing a War Cleric dip to add Divine Favor to two-weapon fighting. Fighter's a big one. Yeah. For anything. We've always said that, two levels of fighter. Yeah. You get your action surge, you get your... Oh, yeah, like with this, yeah. you could just go for two levels of fighter. You wouldn't even yeah. need to worry about yeah. the third level. You know, if you wanted to take champion for crits and you wanted to go for fourth for an ASI, mm -hmm. then fifth for an extra attack, sixth for another ASI, you're gaining so much anyway. It really helps with what you were saying about that, like the big turn, mm. because that's the turn you use action surge. surge. So that's the turn yeah. that you get to be silly with it. Although... You would not be able to action surge with a heavy crossbow. No, you wouldn't. Because it has the loading property. Yes. Maybe, you know, just the one level dip is enough mm. for a fighting style and a and medium armor proficiency. Yeah. And admittedly, medium armor proficiency is pretty tasty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't really have any other pros. I, I like the build enough, but I don't yeah. have any pros or, or cons, really. I think this is a fun one, and we've made fun characters. Me, mechanically, you, yeah. you, you more fluff-wise. Previous weeks, there's been times when I've thought, like, the Hobgoblin, particularly, 
that just started off with me just just straight up saying that I Hate hated ranges. Yeah. But I had fun. I think once once I sort of worked out that, like, okay, I can do this and this works with this. It's, mm. it's not necessarily the most efficient play for the character, but I think you end up with a character mm. that would be fun to play because of it. Did I persuade you at all regarding the ranger? Oh, it... you definitely did. Yeah. Okay, you, okay. You definitely sold the ranger and you sold different ways of approaching it to how I'd been thinking. Hold the press. How you should do it. Hold the press. Yeah. Number one dip for this Phantom Rogue is Gloomstalker at level three. Yeah. For your extra attack on your first round, then you would take Longbow. Even if you don't go to level five for an extra attack, your first round is your big round. You can add Hunter's Mark yeah. and Sneak Attack. And you you get so many other things like creatures that have dark vision can't see you. So mm. yeah, that would automatically cancel out your sunlight sensitivity. That's a huge, mm. huge one. So I'm sorry I forgot that. So what would you take from the other build? From your build, I think because I haven't specifically specced in either melee or ranged, mm -hmm. I would probably take more of the ranged stuff that you've got. Because I haven't taken Eldritch Blast, there's a lot of the things that you've got in your build. Like for the, the fighter dip, mm. I probably wouldn't have to do that because if I was just with a short bow, I mean, that's... That's good enough, yeah. D6 damage, that'll do... I think it's one of those things you could look at if you were building it yourself. The drow race as part of this is probably one of the weaker parts of it in some ways. Because, like you said, darkness is on the warlock spell list. So you would eventually be able to pull that bullshit for yourself anyway without having it there as, as the drow feature. And the disadvantage in daylight, I think that's pretty huge for a rogue. You have to really work to get around that. And that's why you take Gloomstalker yeah. to combat that. And I mean, I don't like harping on about Gloomstalker because my boy is the Horizon Walker Ranger. But yeah. I do understand why it's Gloomstalker worth, is, yeah. is so loved. It's worth mentioning in situations like this. So. Yeah. I would take back the undead <laughs> patron, thanks. Um, Did you look at Undead initially when you built absolutely. it? Absolutely. Were you thinking, oh, okay. Absolutely. Was, was that just because it was good or was that sort of because it tied in with the Phantom? Oh, man. Okay, so you've got your Form of Dread, which mm. means that when you're taking ranged bugger, if someone comes near you, you can just frighten them off. You have a chance to frighten them yeah. off. I was also going to go for a close combat thing and say, yeah, I'm going to take Pack to the Blade. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. An improved pack weapon is one of the things I would take. Yeah, I would definitely do the undying thing. I think that whole thing is so flavorful. Yeah. And and you can hear in the backstory I made for my character, it is essentially the undying sorry, the undead thing within yeah. that. It's a bit confusing that there's two that have got names so close to each other. Well, the undying and the undead patron. Okay, well I'm going to tell you why the undying and the undead are so close to each other. One of them is I mean, when you think about how the name works, they're not close to each other. One is the undying, so it it can't die. One, is One of them is already dead. Yeah. yeah, the Undying is from the Sword Coast Adventurers Guide, and for a lot of people, other than the Blade Singer, a lot of the Sword Coast Adventurers Guide subclasses are less than optimal. Yeah, a lot of them were redone in uh, was it either Tasha's or Xanathar's because they were a good start. Sun Soul, the wording of it was tweaked slightly to make it a bit more useful. Yeah, Bladesing is Sword Coast Adventures Guide, and it was re-released in... It was oh, okay. Tasha's, it was redone in. Oh, fair enough. I didn't know for certain, I just said the oh. first one I could think of. We just call them Xanathar's bullshit, so... Yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the bullshit books. In terms of party composition, 
Because usually we discuss, like, no, think about it in terms of a party, which is not actually how frustrated I am. I'm not frustrated at all. No, no, I know. It's, it's more everyone at home. No, party conversation, for God's sake, <laughs> think. I don't really think there's anything to consider. Like, if an enemy is already there, you've got, you've got mm. your sneak attack, and you can go, yeah, I'll steady aim just so I get super advantage. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, fairy fire is nice because you're giving... Everyone has advantage on anyone in that area of effect. Yeah. Darkness is nice because, again, if you have somebody else in the party, well, anyone with a blind fighting. Oh, yeah, fighting I mean, style. that's another one I considered. Yeah. 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 That's because I had darkness, so I was going to take the blind fighting style and be in close combat. Yeah. Which I would highly recommend. If you want to do a physical rogue with the darkness yeah. combo, would you play this? This character, I think I would play it for a short campaign or a one shot. I don't think I would want this to be like a long term character. Mm hmm. Would you bring this to this year's Spooktober? If I didn't do it as Drow and I didn't have the disadvantage during daylight, I might. So In an underground campaign, though, the sunlight sensitivity is never an issue. Yeah, if it was purely underground, or again, a lot of the Domains of Dread are described as, well, flavoured as being at night or in twilight or dim light. Yeah. You know, it's certainly not in, like, bright, happy daylight. Nope. No. Okay, better options. Kick Drow right out of there. I'm yeah. a bugbear with a whip. Now I've got 15 feet of fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So that I don't have to disengage as a bonus action. Yeah. And uh, here's a fun fact. You can steady aim with a melee weapon. Oh, cool. Yeah, so uh, I meant to mention that way earlier. Better options? I would take something that isn't a drow, maybe. But I would have fun with the drow. Well, with the range thing that you were saying there is you don't really need to move if you've got 50 foot of range, do you? No. <laughs> no that's true, yeah. Yeah. So then you can steady aim with a whip. Yep. Although I don't usually like crossbow builds, mm. but I'm really attached to this idea of a drow with a, a huge crossbow. Like, um, yeah. What's his tits from Dragon Age? Varric. You know, he's yeah. got that big crossbow. I want a big crossbow on this little drow. <laughs> and he's sat there behind a rock going, yeah, fuck you. Like a sniper. That's really what I tried to lean on that. Just to go back to would you play this, I would play this in the same circumstances as you, as a one-shot or like a mini-campaign. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where it would be fun to play, but I don't think it would be fun to play for too many games because I think the disadvantage in daylight in a prolonged campaign would really start to get annoying. Mm -hmm. Unless, I think by level five, you would probably have to have found something that fixed it. I think beyond that point, it would just get too annoying to deal with. It would be good if you knew the campaign was going to be... Underground in underground, a temple. Underground, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like you say, if it was a Domain of Dread thing where you knew, you know, the sky's going to be... That's an interesting thing because it says daylight. Are we going twilight rules here? Does, like, it's overcast... Let me check the specifics of that because I'm sure it actually says bright light. I mentioned Twilight only because, like, you know, part of Twilight is a joke about the Pacific Northwest where it's always so overcast that you never get enough direct sunlight to burn a vampire it says direct sunlight which is so vague <laughs> it's vague i think if your dm was feeling pissy with you they could very easily just say oh well, yeah like, it's dim light but it's still yeah sunlight. clouds yeah. part sorry it's i don't know direct sunlight implies to me that it's lit mm. up like a christmas tree yeah you've got there's there's not really any clouds it's not overcast yeah. or anything yeah, that's direct. Um, I think that would def very much be a DM decision. And again, that's that depends if you're playing like 
DM starts the day and says, this is what the weather is. Or if you're in one of those situations where the DM is randomising the weather and rolling to see uh, what well, it is at the start, that's of, a, which some do. Better options. Um, I would be really tempted to take the Reborn lineage from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, mm. which, you know, that and Phantom uh, Rogue. Well, I'd chuck in Undying Warlock as well. You, yeah. I think you've got a killer combination there. No pun intended. Ah, it's now time to discuss next week. Unless you've got anything more you want to say? I don't want to speak um, No, I think we've rounded that up quite nicely. I'm aware that we're hitting the two-hour mark, and I'm yeah, yeah. look so, after editing Simon's wrists. Yeah. That sounds bad. We have a druid, Circle of the Land. Oh, I don't know much about Circle of the Land. It's the other one in uh, the PHB. Oh, okay. It's the one no one cares about. It's an old-school one. And we are a Mammon Tiefling. What? A Mammon Tiefling. Where's that from? That is from... Gnome of Toes? We've got to stop saying Gnome of Toes. You know what? He's turned up. Come on. You know it's the end of the episode. You know you're allowed up. Come on. It is Gnome of Toes. Hello. Ooh. You gain a charisma score increased by two and your intelligence score increases by one. This is not helpful for a druid. Okay. But you know the Mage Hand Cantrip. When you reach third level, you can cast Tensor's Floating Disc once... Oh, once per short rest. Mm. And you can cast... <laughs> no. What? Stupid idea already. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do this for the one that we've got, but I was thinking if you were Circle of Wildfire, yeah. Tensor's Disc, Spirit, Little Floating Man. <laughs> and just send it around the battlefield. Yeah. yeah that's horrible. Don't do that. <laughs> When you reach 5th level, you can cast the Arcane Lock spell once with this trait. Oh, and that's 5th level total? Yes. So our characters would be able to do that? Yes, 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 oh, yes. okay. It did pick Circle of Land Coast for us, but it is an option within the subclass, so I would say that we can choose which Circle of the Land we want to choose. Okay, that's fair. I might go for Coast because it's the one that rolled for me, but I, I might change it. I mean, obviously, if you find something that means you've got to change it, then, you know. Yeah. We've got... Three episodes left. Ooh. Which means we have, in no particular order, the Druid, the Paladin, and the Warlock left. That was a particular order. That was alphabetical. I think Warlock's going to be an interesting one to talk about because so far we've just been treating it as a dip that other things put in. But because we're getting it to level three, we get to talk about pacts. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. There's some surprises with that. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We yeah. genuinely, really appreciate it. Please, again, go and check out Dungeons X Dragonites on TikTok. Yeah. Does some cool stuff. Friend of the show. Thank you, man. Yeah. Our socials, we have at Builderbard on TikTok. Mm-hmm. We are Builderbard Pod on Twitter. I'll probably add all the socials to the outro, but they are in the notes. They will be in the doobly-doo, which most good podcast apps should have. I have a sleep dog next to me. Oh, I wanted to bring something up. Oh, did you? Yes. Okay. I'm furious. About? The fact that we made the Horizon Walker Texas Ranger joke inside the bloody description of the last episode that went out. And we didn't make it in the episode. No, it's a stupid joke. No, I love it. No. I I stand in defence of that joke. Okay, well, Simon and I are going to have a fist fight. I refuse. (laughs) I refuse to accept that and hold person. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build Bard Workshop with myself, Stephen, Simon and Frodo the Dog. All properties and settings belong to the relevant parties. Produced by Stephen Simon and edited by Simon. Music is Dancing at the Inn by Kevin MacLeod and is available at freepd.com. 
Follow us at anchor.fm slash builderbard, at builderbardpod on Twitter and TikTok, facebook.com slash builderbard, and r slash builderbardworkshop on Reddit. And remember, respect your elf before you wreck yourself. Shush, stomach.